We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden and joining me he is gonna be celebrating father's day for the first time father fachi welcome back man how are you hey we got a first timer in the building add dad to the list of nicknames it feels good alex i appreciate you holding it down while i was out absolutely so let can we talk a little bit about uh a future indiana fever star here that we can i mean look you heard when chad buchanan was on he said 
you know, baby Fauci, her name is Madison, Madison Fauci, was in the running at pick 55 for the Pacers. So it seems like she'd be a better fit for the Indiana Fever. So I'm more than cool with that. And she was born six pounds, three ounces, 19 inches. Uh, she's got a little height on her. Fingers are long. So she's got shot blocking hands. Uh, and, you know, hey, completely healthy. So the, the family's happy. Yeah, she's a beautiful baby girl. And I'm happy for you all. It's exciting times for sure. So uh, you're going to call her Maddie, right? We are going to call her Maddie, but obviously, you know, we didn't want to name her a nickname, so we'll give her the choice. If she wants to be called Madison later in life, they, that, that's more than fine with us. Well, let's talk NBA draft, Fachi. We are about 10 days away from the draft. I can't believe it's that close, but the Pacers made a promise, according to reports, to a guy by the name of Bobby Clintman at Wake Forest. Last week, Caitlin Cooper was on to talk about Bobby Clintman, and now we found out today that he is withdrawing from the NBA draft. A little bit of a stunner here, Fachi. Yeah, I think that was kind of unexpected because it's one of those where this was someone who played at Wake Forest, and that deadline to withdraw and go back to school was on May 31st. So Bobby Clement withdrawing from the draft, he is no longer eligible to return to Wake Forest. He'll have to be taking his talents overseas or anything of that sort, hoping to maybe be more of a lottery pick next year. But obviously it seemed like that was a name that was kind of moving up, you know, some draft boards, and now... I. I just feel like at this point, uh, it, it kind of hurts a little bit because you started to sell yourself on, could Bobby Clintman be a pacer with all the picks that we got? But, hey, it won't be this year. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of all over the place. I think Kevin Con Kevin O'Connor was probably the highest on him at like 15 at one point. But I want to say Adam Spinella from the box and one said that a lot of teams did not have him as a first-round grade. So that does make some sense for him to go back and not go back, but, you know, not be in this draft and try to – better position himself moving forward. But, you know, it's one of those things. The Pacers have had a lot of guys in for workouts. I uh, had another workout today with one of your favorites, Oscar Sheway, right? Ooh, yeah. So uh, he yeah. was part of that. Julian Phillips, someone from Tennessee that I'm very uh, intrigued by as a prospect. I don't know where he's going to fall, but uh, they've been hosting a lot of workouts. They got another workout coming up tomorrow with Kobe Jones kind of being the headliner there and uh, Olivier Maxson's Prosper as well, headlining that. So, I kind of like some of the names they're bringing in. It's like every time I see these guys, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see the case for this. It's like, it's so funny because there's so many wings in this draft. So many. And the fact that the Pacers have five picks just makes it feel like every day there's this laundry list of prospects coming in. And I love it because it feels like the Pacers are leaving no stone unturned and that whoever they select, they're going to know a lot about. And that makes me feel really good. That should be your slogan for this year's uh, draft process because every time I see you on Twitter tweeting about these prospects that are coming up for workouts, you're like, no stone left unturned. I'm That's like, how okay. it feels, man. I, I mean, the Bears <laughs> are picking up every rock you could imagine looking underneath it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, let's let everybody know what we're going to be doing today, Vachi, because we decided let's talk about best fits for the Pacers. And like you said, we have so many picks that if we decided to do all the picks – it could get a little out of hand. So we decided to break this up and just do the lottery. So we're looking at best fits in the lottery for the Pacers minus Victor Wimbanyama. So kind of similar to how we did our big board, we're going to talk about our best fits for the team. We did kind of split it up a little bit, so we didn't have a lot of overlap. So Fachi's going to take the top half of the draft, or the lottery, I should say, and I'm going to take the second half of the lottery. So we're going to go back and forth, kind of sharing our thoughts. But uh, I don't know where you want to start, Fachi, but I, I feel like that's a pretty good way to explain it. I don't know if there's anything else you need to add to that. 
No, I think that's perfect because look, guys, if we did a hey, best fits for the Pacers, uh, you know, the seventh overall pick, we're going to have a very similar list. You know, mm-hmm. it might be a little bit of a different order, but it would be the same names. So by dividing it up, I think we're going to get uh, to talk through quite a few different players here instead of maybe the same three to five. Yeah, and we and we kind of did like basically off a, a consensus of like what we've seen and stuff like that. So there might be some like you're like, okay, that guy probably has been mocked more in the top seven than the bottom uh, part of the lottery. But we just kind of like, okay, here's the names you're going to look at. Here's the names I'm going to kind of look at and kind of go from there. So let's start off by you with the first player on your list let's kind of work our way up to number one so at number three who do you got and which one do you want to go with best fit or let's do fit? best let's do best fits first okay so number three on the list in terms of best fits for the pacers i'm going taylor Hendricks. now okay in my opinion he's given you maybe the best of both worlds in regards to being a really good shooter as well as a really good defender six foot nine power forward he's got the seven foot one wingspan you gotta like that 48% from the field, shooting 39% from three on a healthy 4.6 attempts. Also, just like I mentioned, a really good rim protector and shot blocker. So I think that you are getting a healthy balance. Um, I, one thing that I love about him, he can get out there and run. Pacers, obviously, they were they were fifth in pace. They love to keep it moving. So also pretty solid rebounder at seven rebounds per game as a freshman. Uh, the effort's always going to be there defensively. I think he could be a good two-way option in this league guard multiple positions, um, and I think that he's someone who doesn't really need the ball in his hands. I think he'd be really good to have Tyrese Halliburton be, you know, getting him open looks. Look what Halliburton was able to do for Aaron Neesmith. Imagine a guy like Taylor Hendricks, I, I think, is going to give you a little bit more on the offensive side of things. Um, but by all means, I, I think that this is someone who is a, a really good talent that checks a lot of boxes for the Pacers. Interesting that you have him at three. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see who you have above him. I kind of can, I, I probably know who they are, but curious your reasoning on those. Uh, but I'll go ahead and go with my first one here for best fits in my top three. And at number three for me, I got Leonard Miller. Uh, okay. I think this is someone we both really like. Yes. Leonard Miller is a guy that's been rising. I've seen him anywhere from, I've seen, I'll just give you guys a little bit of spoiler here doing a mock draft now uh, in the community mock draft with Mavs draft and Leonard Miller was taken 10th overall by the Dallas Mavericks in this one. So I was kind of shocked the, by that. The earliest I've seen it. Wow. Yes. I've seen 12 a lot to OKC as like a, mm-hmm. Hey, they could take a flyer on this guy, but you know, probably in the 10 to 16, 18 ranges where you comfortably see him now. Uh, I thought he was really impressive in the G league this year, really took steps forward. And I think with that work ethic, you're going to continue to see that, but you know, He's six foot ten, Fachi, and he's got like a seven foot two wingspan. So you got to be really excited about that. Showed that he can shoot the ball, has a weird shot. Like, let's just be honest. Like, the shots, it's really a slow release. And so that's something he's going to have to work on. But, you know, I, I try not to worry about that too much. I just found him really effective this year for, uh, for the G League Ignite. And I thought he came on uh, strong towards the end of the season. And, and with that in mind, I just feel like a backup guy for the Pacers, like, no, he's not someone you're going to take at seven. But if you were to get back into the late lottery, that is someone I would keep my eyes on because I think he could fit a position of need very well. So much to like about Leonard Miller. And it starts with obviously, you know, his size, 6'10", 7'2", wingspan that you mentioned, still young. I mean, last year he would have been, I think, the youngest player in the draft mm-hmm. or one of them. I, I thought what he showed in the G League was fantastic because there's a lot of guys that, 
by the numbers, you're like, oh, I don't know. Leonard Millard ha- has the numbers to back it up. And I think that that shot, I think that's a continuous development, but that's the case for so many guys in this draft. I feel like there is this draft, maybe more than usual. It feels like, hey, if he could, you know, get that shot down, you know, oh my God. It's like, that's the case for so many that I think with Leonard Miller, there's already a lot to like. I love the rebounding capabilities. And I, I just feel like this is someone that, man, if he goes to 10, it's like, I, I there's nothing we can do about that. But if there is a chance for the Pacers to trade, I don't know, that maybe around 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that range and take him. I, I would be so thrilled with whoever we get at seven and then potentially Leonard Miller. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that could really be effective almost anywhere he goes. I think he's going to be able to be plugged in right away. Just uh, got a good handle. I, I think that he sees the floor well, did, did a good job playing the dunker spot rollout times this year for the G League Ignite. So I think that, you know, we talk about this every prospect, so I don't want it to be like my go-to for Leonard Miller, like, you know, hitting the table for why I want him here. But yeah, yeah. Tyrese makes everybody better. And I think that if he's playing with Tyrese, you're going to see that. I think the defensive part of Leonard Miller is like there's upside there defensively as well. Mm -hmm. So you got to love that. And I'm just going to push this narrative because we've seen it. it. The Pacers love Canadian basketball players. They do. They're collecting them. Leonard Miller, just join Benedict Mather and Andrew Nimhard. Let's just get our Canadian league going. Let's see if they bring O'Shea back. But Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is a Canadian athlete that I think he's got a lot of potential. So if the Pacers were to get into the back half of the lottery again, but if they did trade with the Mavericks for pick 10, that'd be someone to keep an eye on. I don't know if I'd be super, super excited if they took him at 10 because it feels a little high. It it does feel high. But if you feel like he can bring something to the table, I wouldn't be mad at it. So let's move on to your next one here for – Best fit at number two. This is someone that I, I struggled with flip-flopping as a two, as a three of that. And, and I think you could probably think of who I'm talking about. It's Jarris Walker. Look, if you want to talk pure fit, a fit in terms of what the Pacers need, he's going to pr- provide excellent defense at the four spot. He's also going to be able to play some small ball five, six foot seven. I would have loved him to be a little bit bigger, but he's got the seven foot three wingspan. So, when you want to talk about ridiculous defensive awareness, this is him. You could do it on the perimeter. You could do it on the post. Smaller guards, yes, look, that, that's going to be a little bit tough. But at the same point, the size that he's bringing, you got to feel good about in terms of guarding, say, perhaps maybe you know two through four with some fives. I, I like a lot. But when you put the fit next to Miles Turner, that I feel like all of a sudden now the Pacers are able to uh, become a much better defensive team. So fantastic at boxing out, real solid rebounder, shot blocker. Heard that he slimmed down a bit. He's even better shape. And then the three-point shot, like let's not act like it's broken or non-existent. He shot about 35% uh, this past year at Houston when they didn't need him to. And Mm -hmm. we've heard now, that sounds like a broken record. It's now known that he is a much better passer than what he's given credit for because that was not his role at Houston. So I think that when you're talking about a guy who was one and done, it is relevant to look back and see what he was like in high school. And IMG, there was a lot more to his game than what we saw at Houston, but he was also a big part of Houston being as good as they were, being Mm -hmm. a one seed. So I think that if he continued to develop that that shot, it's going to be really appealing, but defensively, when the Pacers say that's what they want to address, he fits that. Yeah, so I, I guess you kind of explained it, but I'm just curious. If you're looking at both Hendricks and Walker, 
Mm-hmm. Why do you have Walker ahead of Hendricks fit wise? Because I think that he's going to be more of an elite defender on the next level where I feel okay. like Hendricks is going to be probably have the higher ceiling in terms of both well, offensively, definitely. But I think he's going to be a good enough defender. But I think that if the Pacers are really saying, hey, we want to be dead serious about getting better defensively, Jairus Walker, I think, is going to bring a little bit more of that, especially early on. So you would say that right now you are much more in favor of them going for Jairus Walker than Taylor Hendricks. No, I'm not, which complicates things. I love to longer term. I think Taylor Hendricks is a better pro, but for fit, for fit wise, I think that I love Jarris Walker next to Miles Turner in that type of fit of getting better defensively. Okay, if that makes I, sense. To I'm you. I'm just pushing back because I'm curious yeah. your thoughts because when Caitlin Cooper came on, one of her biggest concerns was the lack of a three point shot from Jarris Walker, and how we saw teams effectively defend. The Pacers, when Miles Turner was paired with a non-shooting big next to him, a.k.a. Jalen Smith, a.k.a. DeMontis mm-hmm. Sabonis, always had a four on him instead of a five where he wasn't able to be as dominant as he was this year when he was guarded by five. So I'm not saying that I disagree with you in terms of fit, which would make the most sense, but are you are you talking more short-term or long-term? Because I just wonder, like, as much as Miles Turner is still in his prime, young player, he's only got two years left on his contract, and they have not said anything to solidify him as part of this core. They said they're still trying to identify their core. And I think outside of Matherin and Halliburton, with a question mark on Nimhard, you can say that is where the core starts. And I'm just curious, if you're looking at those two players, who do you think fits the best with just those two guys moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I guess I tried to fit with this roster of like, you know, con- you know, considering Miles Turner in there instead of just, Hey, who fits best with Matherin and Halliburton? I, I think longer term, I think that Hendricks is providing more upside in the league. But if you're looking for someone who does one thing great, mm-hmm. I think Jarris Walker defensively could be great. Where Hendricks, I feel like, could be a real solid, complete player. Hopefully, you know, has that all-star type potential, which I don't really know if Jarris Walker does. I don't see him as an all-star in the NBA but I do think from defensively, what we have now with the core, and I, when I, I included Monster in that core, even though, yes, maybe he's not on the team past two years from now, the, the fit is what I was talking with this, that group right now. Okay. No, and that makes sense. I, I, to me, this is just this was my argument because yeah. I, I think Taylor Hendricks fits a little bit better. Okay. Hey, look, I, I love Taylor Hendricks. And if the Pacers, I would want the Pacers to select Hendricks over him, but I wanted to not be biased as to just who's yeah. my like draft crush, you know? Oh, I get that too. Trust me. I totally yeah. get that. It's tough because it is. I do like Walker, but I I love the six foot nine but frame of Taylor mm-hmm. Hendricks. I, I, I love that. I, I honestly was a little bit sad when they like measured out Jarris Walker and he was like just below six seven without yeah. shoes. I was like, oh man. And then I started being like, if he was an inch taller, would it really make me feel that much better? But at the same point, look, you got to love 6'9 at the yeah. four compared to like 6'7, you know, with shoes on. Yeah. And I will say this Mavs draft uh, released a video from like Synergy Clips mm-hmm. of uh, Taylor Hendricks and kind of showcased how he is uh, more of a playmaker, I guess you could say. Not like a, a, a flat out playmaker, but like a secondary playmaker where he's able to like make the right read. And he showed several clips of where he's just 
really smart about making the right pass at the right time. And it's something that I think is a little bit underrated with this game because that's one thing Jairus is like heavily praised for it, is that. So I'm not saying that Taylor is even close to, to Jairus in the secondary playmaking, but I think that it's something that could be there for Taylor if he's playing in a different role where he's not the main go-to scorer, which he's not going to be on the Pacers. So mm-hmm. I, I trust his IQ enough that he's going to make the right play. But yeah, this is funny because I, I was just thinking back to about five or six months ago when we first started talking about these prospects. I was all in on Jairus Walker. I mean, that was the guy that I was like banging the banging the table for. I'm like, this is the guy. And then the more and more I watch both these guys and, and look at some of their tape, I'm just like, I, maybe it's just me, but I really value shooting. And especially in the Rick Carlisle offense, that is the one reason why I just think that fit-wise, the shooting of Taylor Hendricks, if it translates like it did in college, it's going to be huge. So maybe I'm just under underwhelmed a little bit by Jairus' shooting, but uh, I just feel like with the shooting touch of Hendricks, it's just, oh, it's such a it's such a hard conversation to have, but I just like it. I, I feel like the upside for Hendricks is just there, man. I just do. A complete look. If if hey, go to my head, who's who's more likely to be an All Star? It's Taylor Hendricks because I think that look, offense speaks louder than defense. I mean that we we see that in the NBA, like. De- you know, defense doesn't resonate as much with like, you know, the fans and the voting and things like that. But if you ask me who's going to be a better shooter in the NBA, it's it's a no-brainer. Taylor Hendricks is going to be a better shooter than Jairus Walker. But hey, look, the Pacers, I think, are in, in desperate need of a, you know, a, a defensive big, you know, mm-hmm. outside of Turner's obviously good with shot blocking, but I think that Jairus Walker can bring a lot, a lot else on the defensive side of things. But I'm with you. Look, I want Taylor Hendricks over Jarris Walker, but on the based off the term fit, that's where I leaned Walker over Hendricks. But yeah. hey, I can't say that you're wrong by any means because <laughs> I'm very interested in Taylor Hendricks. I just want to put this out there too because I have some people say like, don't get yourself so attached to Hendricks that when we get Walker, you're going to be upset. I'm not at that point. I'll be happy with either of them. Like I, I've talked about this at length on, on multiple podcasts. I wanted Moses Moody. I did not want Chris Duarte. Okay. So you can't compare that situation to this one, right? At 13, it's a lot different than seven. And also, I, I think that Jairus Walker is going to be a very good pro. And I kind of felt this way last year about Keegan Murray. Like, I always thought Keegan Murray is going to be a really good player. People are kind of underselling him because he is a bit boring. But I wanted Ivy and then I wanted Matherin because of the upside and even Shaden Sharp at some point. So to me, it's like I, I'm intrigued by the flashy toys. Sometimes instead of like the prospect, oh, yeah. it's just like, yeah, that's a really reliable prospect, but like, what's the upside? Now, Keegan Murray actually outperformed what I thought he was going to be uh, for sure. Year one with Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I think Jaden Ivey came on really strong towards the end of the season. So yeah, it's not the same situation as the last couple of drafts. I just, I'm uh, I'm very intrigued, but let's move on. Cause I know we have uh, got to keep this moving here. So the next one for me, Fachi for the top three best fits in the lottery for the 18 to 14 range. I'm going with the name people kind of quiver at when they see him. That's Anthony Black. I get it. Okay, okay. He's listed as a point guard. Get over it. He's six foot seven with a six foot ten wingspan. This man can defend lights out. I mean, if you watched any of his tape at Arkansas, he's very, very impressive. Very high basketball like you. Great ball handler and passer. Can run an offense. I think if you pair him next to Tyrese, that's great. But here's the thing, even if he doesn't start Fachi and he came off the bench and he's very similar to Andrew Nimhart, is it ever a bad idea to have two players like Andrew Nimhart on the court for 48 minutes a night? Never. No. Anthony Black 
Averaged 12.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.9 assists. Shot 45% from the field, 75, uh, 70.5% from the free throw, and just 30% from the three. That's my only hiccup. Not a good three-point shooter, but I think he can develop that. I think that the shots uh, got enough of a consistent uh, release that it's one of those things where he can continue to develop it and just work on it. I mean, if TJ McConnell can fix his jump shot with Jenny Busick, I think Anthony Black can do the same thing. So if you're talking about a six foot seven guy that can play the guard but can guard up bigger, like we're talking about guarding like wing like players like Andrew Nimhart guarded, I think he fits a lot better than people giving him credit for. Is he the person I think that makes the most sense at seven? No, not at all. But I think that with the size, with the wingspan, with the uh, the high basketball IQ, this is someone that I think the Pacers could find themselves really liking on court production wise and could be playing closing minutes because of his defensive abilities and his offensive IQ. The three-point shooting is the only thing I think that's going to hold him up from potentially being a steal of the draft. Yeah, like I mentioned before, this is one of those players, once again, where if the shooting is figured out, you got a potential star on your hands. Like, very, very good player. That size at the guard spots does not come around often. Mm -mm. Talked about it before. I mean, you're looking at like a LaMelo Ball-type size. The the, the wingspan, 6'8". You know, this, defensively, we already talked about that. It's just, it would be very helpful. And look, when the Pacers need help defensively, it, it never hurts to add another good defensive guard right over there. So I don't think that the Pacers are going to take him at seven, like you mentioned. Yeah. But I think that whoever does take him is going to get a really good player. So mm-hmm. if the Pacers were, you know, I don't know, maybe they're picking, I don't know, ninth or something like that, or then all of a sudden you could probably sell yourself a little bit more, but the Pacers are right in that range where those, those wings are there, those bigs, the, those, you know, that you're like, man, it's hard to pass those. But whoever gets Anthony Black, and if that shot falls, they're going to get a really, really good player. Yeah, I, I will just say this. Like, he's not the athlete that Amin Thompson is. Um, no. I think Amin's incredibly more athletic, but Anthony uses more of his skills than anything else. He doesn't have to use his like pure athleticism. And one of the things too, like, yeah, he's going to have to add muscle, but I've seen people like say like, Oh, a man is clear cut. Like the number four in this draft, like he is so much better than Anthony black. I don't think it's that close. I mean, that far off. I think it's a lot closer than people are giving him credit for. So yeah, let's just say hypothetically the Pacers traded back from, or yeah, traded seven back to nine with Utah and picked up pick 16 and maybe gave up like 26. You know what I'm saying? something like that where they were able to move back two spots but then get a middle-of-the-pack middle, middle of the pack pick at 16, this is someone I would target at nine. Um, I, I, yeah. I think that even at eight, you can make the case for him if the, if the power forwards were not there for the Pacers. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll even put out a hot take here for you. I think, I, I think I'm at yeah. this – I think I'm to the point where I would pick Anthony Black over Cam Whitmore for the Pacers. Wow, really? Okay, I think that that's something that uh, people would be pretty shocked by. But at the same point, you know, most expect Cam to not be on the board. But I definitely understand your reasoning there. Hint, hint. Yes, hint, hint. Let's get to your last one here, Fachi, for the best fits. All right, for best fit, it's a guy that uh, you can only dream that he would be there, and uh, that's Brandon uh, Miller. Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon Miller. Look, <laughs> six foot nine with a six eleven wingspan. He's the wing the Pacers. Pacers fans, they've been dreaming of for, for years. Obviously, they're the, the saying ever since Paul George left. He even watched film on Paul George. The idea of Halliburton, Matherin, you know, Brandon Miller, 
fill in the blank and Miles Turner. Like that is that just feels like such a good lineup right now that it's like, wow, oh man, you could only imagine, you know, what if mm-hmm. great shot looking mechanics, shot 38% from three on nearly eight attempts per game. Yeah. Imagine what Halliburton could do for him. But he'll have every opportunity to be plugged in, you know, alongside if this was to happen with the Pacers, alongside Mathurin. It just feels like two guys that could just go out there and get it. But also, you're going to get a really good rebounder, eight and a half rebounds per game. Um, more than capable on the ball defender. He, he's got lateral quickness. One thing that that I, I saw on him, shot 65% at the rim from December to March. That's the majority of, of the college basketball season. So you, you got to like that. And I, I feel like when you're looking for those wings to really compete, and we're not, I'm not comparing them to these guys, but like a LeBron, a Kawhi, a Tatum, they don't grow on trees. A guy like Brandon Miller is, uh, you know, almost like there's different levels in this draft. And there's at his position, there is no one on his level. And I feel like if the Pacers are looking to take that next step, they need a guy like Brandon Miller. He's recently been mocked a lot at number two to the Hornets. And I think mm-hmm. it, it does make sense, whatever. But I've been people I've been seeing people say like, oh, you know, the Hornets passing on Scoot for Brandon Miller. And then they pull up a picture of Anthony Davis next to Michael Kidd Gilchrist acting like Brandon Miller is like MKG. And I'm like, okay, like let's just stop. Like these two prospects are not even close to the same in terms of their skill set. I think that the shooting is clearly there with Brandon Miller. You don't have to worry about that. I I think we saw him have the ball in his hands enough to realize like, okay, this guy can play make for others. And if they put the ball in his hands, like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Flatchy, we talked about this off air. If we would have just done lottery, me and you would have had the same top three. The only difference was yeah. I would have had Hendricks too, you would have, and you had Walker too. Like that's the only difference. We'd have put nothing wrong with that. And we both would have Brandon Miller number one for fits for the Pacers in the top seven. So that's kind of why we did this, so we'd have a little bit more content to talk about instead of just these three guys. But that makes a ton of sense to me. I I really don't have anything else to say. I just think Brandon Miller, he is the best wing in this in this class, hands down to me. And maybe you can make the case for why it's closer, but I just I just see a guy that is uh, full of potential to be a Paul George type of player. And even if his ceiling is Danny Granger, I think that Danny Granger next to Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin is pretty special. I I completely agree. I just man, I, those guys Granger, Paul George, like that. It's just like those are all star players, right? There and I know that Granger didn't get to stay healthy enough for those those better years. But if Danny Granger was who Danny Granger was when the Pacers had a team around him, that could have been the missing piece. And it feels like, man, you surround Brandon Miller with guys that are all, already on the roster in Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and and whoever else is still there, you know, for years to come. That feels like a core that can compete with the rest of the 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 top talent in the East for years to come. Mm-hmm. All right, Fachi, I'm going to get to my last one here for the best fits, and then we'll get into worst fits quickly. Best fit for me, number one, if he's there on the board, I would consider taking him too. I would probably take him over Jairus Walker if I had the choice between these two. I think the only one I might take is Taylor Hendricks above him, but I don't even know I could sell myself on this guy, and that is Asar Thompson, Fachi. You know I've been high on him. He was number three on our Pacers big board when we talked about him. He's been kind of all over the place. I've seen recent mocks have him go to four to Houston. Uh, sometimes there's people that have him five to Detroit, maybe six to Orlando. Uh, I've seen him to the Wizards a lot at eight, and I don't really see him getting past eight. I just think that Asar Thompson, 
incredible, incredible athlete. Uh, really a freak. I mean, his brother is more athletic than him, so that just tells you how athletic his brother is. But he is a guy that can score the basketball, defend his butt off, and play make for others as a secondary playmaker. Uh, the shot is much more developed than a men's. And every single time I listen to people talk about his game and who they pro compare him to, it's always Andre Iguodala. And I think of Andre Iguodala as just an incredible player that had a really good career. Never mm-hmm. was like the number one player on any team. But the good thing about Asar is like, if he knows that he's going to have an Andre Iguodala type career, he's going to make the best out of it and better himself to like, continue to thrive in that role. He's never going to put himself in a position where I, or he's just like, give me the ball. I'm the best player, blah, blah, blah. Like that, that's just not his characteristics no. from everything we've talked about with people. He is a hard worker. He's going to come in, do whatever he's asked to do. And I think if you put Andre Guadala in his prime, <laughs> young Andre Guadala going into his prime with this current Pacers core, I think he fits seamlessly. So uh, easily. I am super intrigued by Asar Thompson. Uh, I think his ceiling is incredibly high compared to a Hendricks and a Walker, because this draft is all over the place for me in terms of like ceilings and floors and stuff like that. But I think it's got a high floor too. I think Asar is going to be a really good player, Fudge. I think he very well could. I mean, there's there's so much to like. His measurements are, are fantastic. Playmaking, rebounding, defense. I mean, it's just another one of those guys. Uh, is the shot going to be there or not? When there's this many guys, you have question marks about the shot. It just feels like, okay, don't worry about it then. Because it's not like one guy's standing out more than others uh for the most part it just feels like they're young players like give Mm -hmm. them time it's not like this is someone who did you know four years in college and has a sample size of you know shooting you know 30 percent from three and it's just oh it's never been there never will be like give them some time and overtime elite look it's it's a it's a newer thing but you 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 give them professional coaching like you mentioned about jenny busick before it's like Look, give give them real coaches, and and I say not a knock on overtime elite, but like the pros, they will fix this. Guys, if you're a real good player, you can play 15 years in the NBA career. Talked about guys like Jason Kidd before. Came in, his shot was awful. Kidd ended up finishing like third or fourth all time in threes made. It's like eventually you figure it out. He could become a a pretty solid shooter, and if he could just be a solid shooter, the rest of his game already is super appealing. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. So let's get into our worst fits now, Fachi. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? Uh, start us off. All right. Yeah, I think that my list is going to be a lot easier to talk about for worst fits in the 8 to 14 range. And I'm going to start off with one that is an interesting prospect. He's kind of all over the board, but according to Tankathon, they have him at 14. So I went ahead and added him in the conversation. That's Nick Smith Jr. Fachi, a guy that at the beginning of the year was like in the top five. Just had a really Poor year at Arkansas, did not play like everybody thought he was going to play. And the reason why I think that that would be a terrible risk for the Pacers, number one, they don't need a point guard. They don't need a guy that's six foot five and only 185 pounds. Uh, not nearly the, the defensive type of guy that an Anthony Black is, like I talked about earlier. So personally for me, Nick Smith Jr., combo guard, as upside, I just don't think his fit makes a lot of sense with the Pacers. And that's why I have him on my list at number three for guys that I just don't think I would take with a lottery pick. No, I mean, I, I'm with you at all. I I don't know. Maybe that's someone who, if you went back to college, really, really could have benefited. But if you're just going to go off of numbers, nothing jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. And I think that where we're at right now, obviously we know that could always change. Guard-wise, he's not a, oh, you know, this is someone, let's 
let's let's go heavy on the guards now because he we can't miss this prospect. It feels like there's plenty of other talent that we could pursue. Mm-hmm, for sure. Let's go to your uh, first one here for your worst fits. All right. Now this is this is tough because you guys got to remember if I'm talking about the top seven selections, you're all <laughs> talking about really good players. So I'm talking fit, not talent. I'm going Cam Whitmore right over here. Yep. Look, yep. six foot six, six foot eight wingspan. Okay. All right. But Whitmore, incredible athlete, great athlete, excels at getting to the rim. You know, one of the knocks on him, non-existent playmaker, average 0.7 of an assist to 1.6 turnovers last year. That actually gives Benedict Matherin a solid run for his money because, <laughs> look, Matherin, you know, we were never asking for him to make plays, but with Whitmore, you're getting a score-first type player who can hopefully continue to develop on his three-point shot. Shot 34% from three on four-plus attempts per game. That's definitely nothing to write home about. I mean, talked about Jairus Walker earlier who shot above that. So, mm-hmm. Uh, think about this, you know, he really excels at, at getting in the rim and stuff like that. That That's what Matherin's doing. So this feels like the, the definition of being in the car, asking your mom if you could stop off for some Cam Whitmore. And she tells you we already have Cam Whitmore at home with Benedict <laughs> Matherin right now. But to Whitmore's credit, look, I, I think that he is a far better on-ball defender than Matherin, but, you know, still has some work to do, you know, off the ball. But um, at times, offensively, is viewed as a ball stopper. I mean, this is a guy who is – looking for his shot. And maybe part of that was Villanova wasn't as organized as they have been in years past, going through a weird transition stage, or maybe coming off the thumb surgery, you know, maybe the three-point shot wasn't as good as it's been. But I look back and even dating back to high school, he hadn't been a great three-point shooter. So I think right now, if you're talking fit, I feel like Cam Whitmore is a very talented player that could potentially stunt the growth of Benedict Matherin, who I already loved what I saw last year. Yeah, the fit is a little bit clunky, and the assist, the turnover ratio is a big problem for me. I, uh, I like I said earlier, like I, I would take Anthony Black over him, Asar Thompson over him. It's mm-hmm. like one of those things where I'm, in, I'm really infatuated with Cam Whitmore as a player, and with his build, right? He's not got a super <laughs> big wingspan. It's like a little bit underwhelming no. compared to the other guys. Yeah, but. I don't think Matherin's wingspan is all that great either. So they are very similar. He's already 235 pounds. I think there's a chance he is a better version of Benedict Matherin. I really do. And so that's the only case I can make for like, okay, just take them both, figure it out. And then if you think he's better than Matherin, then you maybe trade Matherin later down the road. But I just don't want to upset Matherin. I don't want to, I don't want to cause any issues in terms of like, you know, you feel like there's pressure on you. So yeah, I totally get this one, Fachi. I, I think that out of the guys that you were picking from, uh, you know, he's right on the borderline because yeah. you can make the case for picking him because he's only 18, right? Oh, of course. not even going to be 19 by the time he's drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 2004 is his birthday. So very interesting prospect, but I don't even think he's going to be on the board at seven when we get there. I don't think he will either. So it kind of makes it easier. But fit-wise, I just think that there's a lot of question marks and there's just not a clear path to figure out the fit for him. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you there. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, just, just the one thing is like, Matherin showed a lot as a rookie. And where do we draw the line in between what's good enough and what isn't? This isn't like, oh, Chris Dorte is a rookie. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, he was good. All right, like, great. You know, this is like, no, Benedict Matherin was, at one point, looked like, you know, a top two rookie in the draft. And I I feel like he's going to get better and better. But if you bring in a guy like Cam Whitmore and you're already saying like, oh, you know, they're going to be competing going head-to-head at, you know, arguably – 
similar position. I mean, if you want to play Matherin at the three, that makes it tough for Whitmore. And it just, we don't need to stack that when I feel like Cam Whitmore could very well be a good player in this draft. That he mm. will be. But I also like enough what I saw out of Benedict Matherin to keep, you know, uh, investing in that development. Absolutely. So let's go to my next one here, Fachi. I sent you my list ahead of time and uh, I went ahead and changed it. I forgot to tell you. So I I took one guy out and uh, this is the guy I'm taking out and I'm putting this guy in. I'm putting Keontae George in here. Um, Okay. I recently was in a mock draft and I put, put it on Twitter. I got Keontae George at pick 29. Uh, I think he fell through the cracks. People kind of forgot about him because he didn't get picked in the normal range. And people thought he might've already gotten taken because it's a big group chat that we're in on Twitter and we make the picks throughout, you know, throughout the the week. And it kind of just happens. So he fell to me at 29 and the next mock draft I did, he like got picked around like 18. I think that's kind of where his range is at like 16 to 18. Maybe some people have him in the lottery. I think that there's a very interesting player here. But once again, six foot four shooting guard does not seem like something the Pacers need, in my opinion. Um, he's very young. He's uh, you know, not even gonna be 20. But still, you know, just just the biggest concerns for me, like, yeah, I think he's gonna be fine with his three-point per shooting. I think he's gonna be able to put the ball in the hoop. I think he's, you know, smart enough to make the right play and be a good passer. Uh, you know, wasn't a terrible passer as a as a scoring guard, 2.8 assists this year, not bad. But I just I just worry a little bit about the defense, the size, um, just he really wasn't effective at Baylor this year. And it just kind of turned me off a little bit because I had him higher. I think at one point I, a lot of people had him in like the top eight and he fell a lot. So I think that Keontae George, once again, combo guard type of fit for the Pacers, undersized guards, I'm staying away from him. I don't blame you at all. Like, let, let's be honest. I know you mentioned the 2.8 assists. What about the 2.9 turnovers? Yeah, it's not a good assist to turnover ratio. I agree with you. He shot sub 38% from the field. He shot sub 34% from three on seven attempts per game. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, he was the number six overall recruit going into college. So there were high expectations, which he didn't meet. Still going pro because that's what, that's what everybody does now. It's like, well, even though I didn't have a good year, I'm still going. And I just feel like, man, that's probably someone who probably could have been a stud next year in college. But Point that he's already, you know, he'll turn 20 in November. So I guess at that point it would have been less appealing to, you know, be 21 in the draft, even though still really young in life. I just feel like that's not what the Pacers need. And he's been mocked all over the place. I mean, sometimes you could find him, you know, right around that top 10. Sometimes it's just outside the lottery, but whatever it may be, I'm just not that interested. Totally agree, Fachi. Let's move on to your second person here that you just don't feel like they're a good fit. This is this is tough because this is another really good player, but it's a Men Thompson. Look, six foot six guard with a seven foot wingspan, extremely athletic. He could very well be a stud in this league. Massive two way potential. But Alex, let's be honest. Like those shot mechanics, they're extremely worrisome. Mm. And, and like when you actually look at it, and it feels like he's kind of pulling from his chest, and just the way that. I don't know, the way he has in that elbow just seems low. It's just, for me, it just I fear that this is someone that they could be tinkering with a shot for a while, and maybe it's for the better, maybe it's for the worse. But there's a big difference between questionable form that goes in at a high rate, such as Tyrese Halliburton, Lonzo Ball shooting 40% from, from three in college. Those are both real effective three-point shooters with an interesting-looking shot. But they were effective. Men Thompson has never been effective mm-hmm. from three. 
Hit the shot, shot 23% with overtime elite and three, 65% from the free throw line, which is a much better telling sign. But look, he's got great bursts, quickness, slasher, really good defender. There is a lot to like, but I just feel like, huh, this this is someone that I don't think is going to be there by seven by any means, but the his stock was a lot higher a couple of weeks ago when it felt that he was a lock at four. Now it feels like Asar is jumping him, and I, I just, at this point, I'm not as intrigued with the fit. The talent is definitely there. Yeah, the fit is a little bit concerning only because I think one thing that he didn't bring up that makes sense to me is he needs a ball in his hands. I think he's most effective when he has a ball in his hands. Completely and right. That takes away from Tyrese Halliburton have the ball, having the ball in his hands. And then if you bring him off the bench, which I just think is kind of crazy, you're putting him and TJ McConnell together. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. is that really the greatest fit? I, I don't think it is. Now, defensively, you're going to get someone that it has it. Like, he's going to be a defensive yes. menace out there. He's got the wingspan. He's got the length. But if you're taking away his best attribute, and that is being a guy with the ball in his hands, and you're asking him to play off ball and he can't shoot, that's where things get kind of problematic. Like I don't see a Nimhard in him at all. Like uh in terms no. of like Nimhard is not like super athletic, but he's very skilled, right? I see more Anthony Black, a guy that's not as athletic and Nimhard than I do uh Amin Thompson. So like if the Pacers were in a situation like the Rockets are in, right? They're a team that needs a point guard. I can make the case for that. I think Absolutely. you can make the case for Orlando taking him at six if he falls to six because Orlando is still trying to find their long-term point guard and they don't have a lot of great shooting on their team, but I can make the case for it. So I think for a minute it's very situational, but overall I like the game of Asar better and what mm-hmm. he brings to the table. So if the Pacers like jumped up to four for whatever reason and made a trade, I would assume that they would take Asar over a Min Thompson. Okay. And it feels like those players, you know, those twins have flipped spots over that last, you know, however many weeks. (laughs) It's becoming more of a debate, that's for sure. Definitely. And I just, like, I know I was really focusing on that shot, but that's the thing is, like, if you take the ball out of his hands, his shot is not respectable enough for defenders to, you know, come up on him. So, and also, if you want to talk about mid-range, shot about 35% from mid-range, it's just... It's just not good, and and mm-hmm. I, I just feel like there is a lot of parts of his game that are good, but when you already have a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, like you're 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 set at that spot. But look, whoever gets him is going to get a really good player. The, the, the tenth guy in a row that we've talked about. Hey, you figure out that shot. Oh, the sky's the limit. <laughs> he you know he is the definition of that player. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And here's what I'll say too, like. Even if they don't respect him and they give him room to operate, if he's quick enough and athletic enough, like, yeah, maybe like giving him too much space, he'll be able to attack the rim and get there quick. But I just want to see it against NBA competition because it's so hard for me to sit here and say, oh, I saw him do it against the overtime elite competition. It's just not the same, you know? It's not. And it's so, 16 games. Yeah. That's, so it's that's a, not a lot. It's a small sample size against a, a league that has less talent than college, a G League uh, put together. So, you know. Like it just, it, neither of those, uh, or both of those leagues have significantly more talent than Overtime Elite does. And that's not a knock on them. They've got talent, but it's just not at the same level. And then going up against NBA starting defenders, like, yeah, they're going to be able to make it more difficult for him. And he's not like he's super strong either. So he's just very athletic. He's going to, you know, bulk up every prospect has to. It's not like it's something mm-hmm. new we're saying, but that's that. So let's move on. My last one here, Fachi, for 
the person I think that doesn't fit in well for the Pacers. And honestly, these three guys that I mentioned, you could make them interchangeable. Um, but I'm going Kobe Bufkin. This is someone okay. that I just don't believe in. I Me too. A lot of people like him. And like he was like at the back end of the first round for a long time at like 30. And then he just catapulted all the way up to like 14. And it's kind of like him and Jed Howard just like switched spots because he had a good end of the season. And I saw uh, Draft Dummies bring up a great point on Twitter, kind of talking about guys that do this a lot and how like we should kind of think about that when we're drafting. And they brought up James Booknight as a guy that's a very similar comparison to this. Wow. And I know Sam Vecini kind of pushed back and said, well, Donovan Mitchell did the same thing. So I just feel like when I watch Kobe Bufkin tape and I watch him play, I kind of get more of the James Booknight combo guard feeling than I do the Donovan Mitchell. So for me, once again, a combo guard that doesn't really fit this Pacers team, like he was an average three-point shooter, 35% last year for the for the uh, Wolverines, 14 points a game, four and a half rebounds, two, uh, 2.9 assists. Like, yeah, he's not a bad player. I think that he's going to be okay, but I just feel like if we're going back up into the first round and we're getting a lottery pick, He's not a guy that I would be wanting to spend it on. No, he's not. It's just like if you're gonna, you know, move up, look for like uh, I don't know, like talented wing or something like that, where it's like okay, hey, or someone that oh, long term, this could be someone who develops. Like you mentioned, James Booknight. It's like that just has me shook because I don't know if Booknight can play. I really don't. Like I, I feel like it was early on into his rookie year that it was like, yeah, this, uh, this doesn't look good, and it has not gotten better. And and Booknight was was uh you know uh, a top 10 he was right in there he was in the lottery uh i think he was i don't know whatever he was he was a to- lottery pick anyway uh for buffkin i'm just not intrigued and i'm low on who michigan is putting out between jet howard kobe buffkin i just feel like these are guys that it's just like man it feels like anyone's just going pro these days and it, i just don't really see it there and if you're talking about a fit for the pacers no thank you we got guys on the roster right now that i'm already way higher on and believe in yeah, I'm just going to read this tweet real quick from Draft Dummy so I make sure I say the right thing. So he said, uh, Kobe Bufkin, he said, Johnny Davis, Trey Mann, and Book Knight all had similar past combo guards who had quiet freshman seasons and blew up as a sophomore. Not looking good for the archetype so far. Just small sample, yeah. or is it something? And then he said, combo guards aren't a player type in general, uh, aren't a great player type in general. And in the end, there's a reason why they struggled as freshmen. Podzins, uh, Podzimski would qualify too, though I'm a big Pods believer is what he said. Like, you do have to factor in that he didn't play at all for Illinois as a freshman, uh, Podzimski. Yes. So, uh, Sam Bassini just pushed back and said the archetype also encompasses uh, Emmanuel quickly, Jordan Poole, Donovan Mitchell. Too many examples in both directions to care about this. So, I do understand that, but um, <laughs> it's one of those things where I think Adam Spinella said it best in the comment section. He said, it could be something, it could be nothing. So, oh, yeah, that's a classic like, right there, just covering yeah. the track. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't feel like he's in the same atmosphere as like uh, Jaden Ivey or anything like that. I feel like he's more in that secondary tier of like, okay, what is this guy saying? Could he be a Kyra Lewis type guy? You know, I just I just don't have good gut feeling about Kobe Bufkin. And I felt the same way about Kobe White when everybody was praising him when he was in the draft. I didn't really like Kobe White that much. So uh, maybe it's just thing against Kobe's. I just can't I can't do it. Maybe it is. I don't. I don't know. But we're we're gonna. Well, hopefully we don't find out. But uh, maybe someone else will find out for us. Uh, yeah, but, another yeah. another one of the other twenty nine teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm more than all right not trading up for him. But 
Now, next on my list, look for not a great fit. And this is where I'm probably going to get shredded like loose leaf. But here's the thing. Scoot Henderson. Look, oh, I thought I it was Wimanyama. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, I'm just kidding. Look, for, for Scoot, here's the thing. Look, he's in his own tier too. Like you're talking about guards. There is no guard that is above Scoot by any means. He Many people believe in another draft. He could be number one. Here is the thing. We really have something special in Tyrese Halliburton at the point guard position. If Scoot is going to be Scoot, he needs the ball in his hands. And we saw that during a short span, Brogdon and Halliburton, and it felt like when Brogdon had the ball, it felt like Halliburton was just kind of a any other player over there and not the same all-star point guard that could lead the league and assist and make everybody better. Scoot's compared to a Russell Westbrook, a Derrick Rose-type player. But what were those guys like off the ball? And did any of them ever have an all-star point guard next to them? No. They needed the ball to be them. And look, he, at six foot two. I don't like it. I think he's small, but I love the six foot nine wingspan. I think that that really makes up for it. But let's be honest: the shot selection is questionable. Shot forty four percent from the field, just thirty two percent from three on only two point seven attempts, which is a really small sample size right over there. And you know, make no doubt about it, Scoot could be a very, very good player. And I think that maybe in the end, it's like, oh, like how did you not want him? You want the best talent available. Look, here's the thing: he ain't gonna be there. Because we're already hearing that that some teams, you know, in specific the Pelicans, might be wanting to trade the farm to move up. But we had a playmaker that had a 5-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio while averaging 20 points per game. Scoots was 2-to-1. Mm. So you're getting a guard. that's a, He's a scoring guard right now. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he ain't going to be as special as he could be. Tyrese Halliburton could go down. He's one of the greatest players in franchise history. And for that, fit-wise... I just don't think that we're the team that would be the best fit for Scoot. Yeah, I think it's very similar to the the conversation we had about him and Thompson. Like, agree, you know, because I mean, what what are Scoot shooting numbers again, Fachi? Like, forty four percent from the field, thirty two percent from three. Yeah, the three point shots just not there yet for him. And I mean, he's a really talented player, and it's really hard to sit here and say like, ah, you know, but you're not you're not mortgaging the farm to move up to no. draft him, like. The Pacers don't need him. Like, if the Pacers were where they were at two years ago before they traded for Halliburton, then 100% this is a guy you go after. Like, duh. Like, he's a franchise-changing player, but you've already got your franchise point guard. So, for the Pacers, it doesn't make sense. And Scoot, undersized, like, yeah, him and Halliburton could work together, but once again, taking the ball out of either of their hands to let the other one operate, while it's good in theory, we saw how it worked in Sacramento. (laughs) Halliburton and Fox, Mm -hmm. both are dynamic point guards. Like, Fox is... Third team All NBA this year, I believe. So, yep, he's a guy that you know played really well next to Halliburton, but he just like boom, like just had a great season last year without Halliburton. Halliburton had an All Star season by himself as well. So, I think sometimes you get too many cooks in the kitchen, you can have some problems. And I think that's a great way to kind of look at it with Scoot. It's like nothing against his game, nothing against him as a player. Them together, him and Halliburton together, there could be some problems now. I still believe in drafting the best player available and figuring out how to, you know, go about making it work. But in this situation, if they drafted Scoot and somehow traded up for him, like I'd be like, okay, let's see what it looks like. You know, I would I would be intrigued by it, but I would also have some some concerns and some questions like, how is this going to work in the long run? Uh, and that's the only thing that I would be fearful of. But yeah, I, I think what you're saying, Fletch, makes a ton of sense. It's just one of those things where you already got this position covered. 
let's focus on the other areas that need covered in terms of fit, not talent. Exactly. And there are some people that are head over heels in love with Scoot, and I don't blame them at all. But, like, if there's one position or one player that we definitely have figured out, it's Tyrese Halliburton at the point guard position, and we need a lot more help defensively. And when you're drafting a guy like Scoot, you're looking for the upside on offense. And I I, I definitely understand that. There are a lot of teams, like, when you look at, we've heard that the Pelicans, Pelicans should absolutely use a boost at point guard. You know, but... Not us. So that, that's the thing. We ain't the team. I'm not mad at it. Whoever gets him will probably get a really good player. Absolutely. I would want to throw this out here real quick because before we got? wrap up, I threw a poll out on Twitter. I said, fun hypothetical draft question for you. Cam Wimmore, Jairus Walker, and Taylor Hendricks are off the board before the Pacers pick at seven. Who do you select? Anthony Black, Asar Thompson, Amin Thompson, Grady Dick. Getting a lot of replies saying, trade back. Don't make the pick. Trade out of the pick. I want hundred percent disagree, Fachi. Yeah, no. I mean, trade out. I mean, trade out for for, for what? I yeah, mean, are we going to trade back to nine and <laughs> hope to get you know a guy like Balak Kulabali and Leonard Miller? Like, okay, like yeah, maybe, maybe they could be special. Like, I like Leonard Miller. Like we just talked about it, but not at seven. No, so not at all. I I think you take a SAR or you take a man. Figure it out. You could even take Anthony Black here. I put Grady Dick in the poll as well. He got 9% of the votes uh, right now as we're speaking. we got still got like a whole day left to talk about this in terms of Twitter polls. But Asar is winning right now at 45%. People would take him. And I think that's the right pick, in my opinion, based on I who's on the board. I voted for Asar in that poll. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say when you're talking about polls or whatever you want to say, uh, the Pacers, they put out a graphic of like, hey, you know, here's what the prospects are saying or who should we draft? Grady Dick is always in that scenario, and the difference is the other three players are Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Jarris Walker. But the Pacers have yet to work out Grady Dick, but I don't know why they keep putting him in that category. Maybe they're just going off of what other people are saying. Yeah, that's what they're doing. But that's something now. Yeah, okay. I've seen it a couple of times now. Yeah, Anthony Blackspin in that as well. It's what the experts are mocking them at because Anthony Blackspin on there a few different times, and I've seen people like lose their mind because they have us taking Anthony Black at seven. <laughs> it's like, just relax. Yeah. Uh, would not be surprised if we uh, see the Thompson twins in this week at some point, maybe Anthony Black. Uh, you know, we're getting closer to it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, if we saw Anthony uh, Black, Grady Dick, and the Thompson twins this week, would not surprise me. I definitely think you're going to, they're going to take a look at the Thompson twins. That would be my guess, just because Asar has been mocked in that area. And I think they're just kind of intrigued by them, uh, especially with the connection with Damian Wilkins, you know. Saying that he talks yep. to Jad Buchanan every day, I think that they're going to give them a look. I love as hearing that. Thompsons do their tours, so uh, I would expect that to happen sometime this week. But uh, you know, once again, we said they have another group workout, so they've, they're running out of days before the draft gets here. So I, I know. I mean, at one point, I want to count how many players the Pacers have brought in, and with ten days to go, it just feels like they're going to have almost looked at everybody that you know is in maybe the top three in this draft because after the top three it's like you could make an argument that any of those players could be where the Pacers are picking because they've already worked out Cam Whitmore and you mentioned the Thompson twins right there it's just like at that point for the Pacers to have gotten a look at every good prospect maybe outside of you know Wembenyama, Scoot and Brandon Miller you, you gotta feel really good about that mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's 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 a lot. We'll get that one on the next episode. But yeah, tomorrow fights. We got Michael Scotto coming on from Hoopside to give us the rundown on what's going on around the league and kind of get his feeling on things. And then we've got Kristen Peak from Yahoo Sports does a great job covering the NBA draft, joining us Wednesday evening. So that'll be out Wednesday night, Thursday morning for you. So lots of great coverage coming this way. But Fachi, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok, setting the pace. And Alex, tell me where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. We can find all of our content there. And if you haven't already, subscribe. Let us know what you guys think. And if you haven't and you're a new listener of the show, Leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. It always helps us out when we see more ratings and reviews. So thank you in advance for that. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that the draft is just in less than 10 days away, hit me with those two words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.